the volume. The Sessions podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. Let me tell you a few reasons why. First of all, they are America's number one sports book. Duh. Uh, it's super easy to use. It's safe and secure. No tomfoolery. Fast payouts. As quick as two hours. And there's also so many different betting types. You know, there's same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, features, you name it. We got it over here. I mean, there's risk-free bets, enhanced odds markets, so much more. It's all here, all in one app, all in one place. The fast payouts and the safe and security. I mean, come on. Now, guys, if you're new, you just have to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started right now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so they know that your girl sent ya. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> like start start i know you're comfortable with both pronouns is there one that you prefer me to use most of my personal life my friends and my family are kind of adapting to she her um it's really interesting to me because i think you know all my life i've always had that complex of like what do i feel like more of most of my coworkers say she her in my personal life i will be someone's wife when i get married but i'm also my mom's son still just because she's having you know she's getting adapting to that I don't know. I, I, most people just call me she, her. So, Is that one of those things that you feel like you, I mean, I, I guess, you know, to be comfortable with both, but is that more so to make other people comfortable or for you? These days, like even some of my fans, they'll use they. And like, at first I was just kind of like, eh, that's not really for me. But now I'm kind of like getting to the point where it's like, okay, like if this is the way fans kind of see you and it's just like, why take that away from them, you know? They might feel more seen because I'm gender fluid and using the they pronoun might allow them to feel more comfortable and to be more um, represented. Do we want to get into the gender fluidity? Do we, do you want to talk about that, about like identifying as that? Yeah. Like I, I, I always find it really interesting and I love being able to have these conversations and I do think it's really cool for other people to be able to hear these conversations and just to kind of understand and yeah, to, I think just have more awareness about it. So talk to me about it. When did you decide that this was for you? I've always known and I've always felt it. I don't think I really, really embraced it until I had an open relationship. Um, not open relationship, that sounds so weird. <laughs> a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> until I had a, a public relationship with my boyfriend, who was a wrestler at the time as well. You know, we were open to the public with our relationship. So I feel like the more and more they went on and they would kind of like, you know, ask us questions and I would kind of feel like, well, he calls me his girlfriend and 
I feel like I'm his girlfriend and I always say I'm going to be your wife. And I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> like, I just always felt like that made more sense to me. I don't know. How long have you guys been together? Well, we're not together anymore. We're together. Because I was like kind of looking on both of your profiles to see, to, to understand. So, okay, we don't need to get into that. Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're still friends though. I know that's why I was like, well, I see that Sunny has liked this picture and obviously it's still like a, a good situation. So I wasn't exactly sure what the situation was there. <laughs> so good to know. Um, okay. I'm super excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? What's going on? What a world to be living in. I mean, wrestling is just great right now. Things are looking awesome. I actually just this morning went back to rewatch your match that you had with Cody because I feel like that was really one of those matches that put you on the map. Let's go back to that moment of you getting into that match with Cody and having that moment on TV and sort of the reaction from the wrestling world to get to see you really in a match where you could like go. That whole week, my palms were so sweaty. Like I was like, oh my God, like can't wait this is happening because Cody actually came up to me and told me like literally the week before because at that point I hadn't had that many TV matches and stuff like that so I was like oh my god I can't believe this is happening this is so cool and then um I went into the match thinking like okay like I'm just gonna go into it and show people that I can just be just a wrestler but I think Cody was just like you know we're gonna get those trailers for you and I was kind of like okay oh my god that entrance was amazing and like the use of having the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders there with you is of course great. You're at Daly's place. Like why not lean on those cheerleaders? Bring them in. So I have a dance background, obviously. And um, I grew up oh, dancing. Oh, I know. And we're going to get into it. <laughs> I grew up I dancing. I grew up, you know, in the cheerleading world and all that stuff. And uh, I choreographed the routine myself. I told the girls I wanted to, you know, kind of show them what I had, you know. And uh, the girls were awesome. Did you feel like the need to kind of like flex on them to be like, I know what I'm doing too. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I definitely just wanted to have a hand in what I was doing and what was what I thought was my moment. And I think the girls understood that and they were so, like super cool about it. Like, yeah, let's do it. It was so much fun. Um, in the yellow gear. Love the yellow gear. Thank you. It was inspired. It was done by Sandra Gray, Sandra Gray Originals. Shout out to Sandra. <laughs> Miss Sandra's the best. She is uh, Done by Sandra. And uh, it was inspired by the cartoon Totally Spies. Oh, you know what? I do really love when people put a lot of like thought into their gear like that of like a little homage to something or a throwback to something, whatever. So um, I, I've always been uh, very appreciative of that, especially when doing commentary. You need to like interject some little things like that. It's always super helpful to know. Um, what was your reaction to um, like after the match? I mean, people seem to really be applauding you, uh, seeing you in a, in a big moment like that. Yeah, I was very, very pleased with the reviews and all that stuff. I was super, super, super nervous, but I definitely felt like I still showed enough to the point where I let people know that I, I'm here and, you know, this is my coming out party. And yeah, I was very pleased with the reviews and even just the viewership and all that stuff. And I was very, very happy about it. And I thought like, I, you know, I was very happy for myself. I was yeah. very, very like, Good job, Sunny. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, it was very, very cool. Yeah, it was nice to like jog my memory of that again. I'm like, oh my God, what a great moment that was. It was really, really cool. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to go way back. We're talking Jersey City. Grew up in Jersey City in the shadows of New York City. What was that like for you growing up in the city like that, having this performers, stars in your eyes kind of situation? Like, what were you like as a kid? When did you start to get that spark of like, I am a ham, I want to be front and center, like <laughs> having that performer's itch? When did that start to uh, to become super evident to you? That started really early. Um, I've always loved, I used to like <laughs> be in my living room and I would like put on music videos and make the choreography. What were like your go-to music videos? What were like your, like, especially like with like a dancer's background, like what did you grow up on that you're like, I think I can do this? I'm a nostalgia junkie, so everything from the 90s, 2000s era, I'm, I was born 93. I have 93 on my necklace right here. <laughs> I am totally obsessed with nostalgia. So, like, it was, like, NSYNC and Britney and Janet Jackson was, like, a big inspiration to me. And Maya and, you know, Usher, all these different awesome, you know, pop stars. Like, I was super, super inspired by them. Destiny's Child, everybody. So, when did 
wrestling enter the fray for you? I mean, I, I know the parallels, obviously, between both of those worlds, but it's like you're either going to go down one path and you're auditioning for X, Y, and Z or, you know, dancing for so-and-so or whatever, or you are like, where else in performing can I kind of fit in and find my groove? When did wrestling become that path that you wanted to walk down? I've always loved wrestling as a kid. I grew up, um, well, actually, it's so funny. I always say the story. Um, I <laughs> discovered wrestling through the video games. So I played Revenge. <laughs> it was the first game I played. No, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, wa- I played the wrestling game before I actually watched it on TV. Who would you play? Who would you be? So I would be like Rey Mysterio, Alex Wright, Disco Inferno, Chris Jericho, people like that. Yeah. <laughs> That is so funny. Okay, so when did you actually start watching wrestling? Uh, I think that was probably like maybe 2000, 2001. Maybe, I, I think probably earlier, but I think when I became like a real, real fan, it was like very tail end of the Attitude Era and getting into the ruthless aggression. So when did like the training aspect start to, to creep in? Two of my friends were just like, hey, like you love wrestling and stuff like that. You're super athletic, you know, you're from your dance background or whatever. And he's like, why don't you just come to this place called uh, East Coast Professional Wrestling in Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey. That's where I started. And I basically was like, okay, like I'll try it out. So I kind of was training sporadically for like two years. I wasn't taking wrestling as serious. I didn't know someone like me could even make it this far. Like it was like, you know, this is unheard of. It's it's not going to happen. In terms of what, what made you think that you couldn't do that? Not seeing someone like yourself to be represented? Yeah, I feel like, people definitely had their doubts and even people in my own family were just like I don't know about this baby like you are you know I'm such an anomaly and you're someone that's very very different and who knows if the world's going to take you know to what you're doing and who you are and but I definitely was just like I had the energy of like if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it you know balls to the wall I'm not going to hold back if I'm going to be me or no one at all So I definitely came in with that moxie and kind of that's what that's how I felt. Like I was very honest with myself about that. It's such a funny thing with wrestling because I do feel like wrestling and wrestlers generally are like a very welcoming group of people. Do you like they yes, it's like yes and no, because there's times that it's like there's some stuff that is so duck and like archaic and as much as you try to push forward with things it's like oh my gosh like how many people do we need to push this boulder that it can feel like it's such heavy lifting but at the same time I do feel like there's so many different like niches and pockets where people can just be whoever they are and they're so celebrated for being whoever they are so it's sort of a catch-22 of like finding those spots that you fit in but when you find those spots like they certainly do exist think that it's definitely a lot better in the 2020s as well. I think, sure. you know, from the last decade into now, I definitely think it's a lot better. When I came in in 2013, it definitely was not like that. It was still progressing and, you know, it wasn't as bad, but it's gotten progressively better over the last decade for sure. And I think with people like myself and Nyla and Bowens and Layla and Kira and Diamante, Aubrey, I can name all of them all, uh, Sonia Deville, everybody. With the movement, you know, stuff like that, Jake Atlas, everybody's been kind of chipping at the wall and kind of, you know, we're going to break this wall down. And I feel like that's kind of what, what it is. What do you think are some of the better ways or like ideas to do better storytelling for the LGBTQ community on television? I know it's like, it's always like a loaded question of like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, I don't know, to like come up with these ideas. But yeah, I mean, it's, needs to be done. Just letting them be them. Letting letting the community be like letting everyone individually be themselves. I think that's honestly the best way to call it. Cause like people, you know, as far as like storylines, like feel like it has to be, you know, they has to push the envelope. You know, and I feel like it doesn't have to. I feel like you can yeah. have you know, a storyline with an openly gay male and a cisgender straight male, and it'd still be cool. Like when you look at Bowens on TV, you don't think of Bowens as like, oh, the gay wrestler. He's just Anthony Bowens. People don't look at Layla and even identify her really. Like they don't go to that, you know, immediately. And I feel like just kind of letting everybody just be them. Even like with me, like I pitch storylines all the time that isn't about my sexuality, isn't about the way I look. It's just straight up you know, ideas that will just keep me in dialogue with the fans. Like what kind of things, like what kind of 
ways do you think are that you wanted to highlight stuff like that? It's about, more about being used. Like I, I can't really do it if I'm not really being used, but it's just more about just being seen, you know, by the audience and make, being in dialogue with them. Hopefully like with this year coming, I, you know, able to get opportunities. Hopefully I'll be able to, you know, tell those stories and be in the dialogue with them and kind of like give that representation from my point of view. I feel like it's a conversation that I've definitely been having um, a lot. I feel like either on this show or on my, on my serious show where it's talking about diversity and we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, black wrestlers being able to tell better stories and have better storylines and have better championship runs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think also having this conversation about the LGBTQ community being able to do these great storylines as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Sonia Deville. I know that that was something that she was fighting for a lot in WWE. And I, I really, I can't wait to see her get to do some of those stories. She's so damn talented and she's so good. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, let's just, let's get Sunny out there to begin with and we can tell these stories. And I want to, you know, definitely say like, I love being at AEW and I think that, it's awesome that AW allows all of the LGBTQ talent to be themselves and allows everyone in the community to, you know, just diversity in general, like allow them to embrace that. And the company does embrace it. Like we have, you know, Tony Khan is a brown man, Mega is a brown woman. They are, you know, being inclusive and, you know, allowing diversity to be seen for sure. I think I definitely want to make that statement. I just, I'm just saying that I, you know, can't tell my own stories if I'm not shown. So We'll work on that. 100%. Um, one of the things that I also really love that you have been doing was working with Joey Janela. You two as like a tag team, I think is fantastic. Why are we not doing more of this? I loved you and Joey together. Oh my God. Teaming with Joey was crazy. I absolutely Yeah, loved he's it. nuts. <laughs> I love Joey Janela so much. Joey, Joey works very, very hard. I don't think people really realize that. He works very hard and he's so, like, he cares so much about this business. And, you know, even like his match with your husband, like that match was amazing. They're like, that match was so good. I think that was like one of John's like first big matches with AEW was with Joey. I know John's a big fan of Joey's. Joey proves time and time again that he is just ready for any opportunity that's that's thrown his way. He's awesome. And teaming with him, he always pushes me to step outside the box because sometimes I can be a little complacent and I'm very shy and very nervous. Wait, you are? You're a shy and nervous person? Really? I mean, I've definitely gotten better with, with our feud, you know, after our tag team was over. I became a lot more intense and yeah, I, w- I will say definitely before that, I definitely was like a little like, ooh, I don't know if I should do this or ooh, you know, uh, how do I do that? And Joey would definitely basically help me step outside the box and be taken more serious for sure. That's interesting. I never would have thought of you as like being a nervous person or like a nervous performer or anything like that because you never see it. You always just seem like you were like ready to go. How do you How do you like overcome that? I, I mean, I've definitely had moments when I've like, felt nervous or you go in like I would like go through like these like ebbs and flows where there's times that I felt like I was like super confident and good and I wouldn't shake wouldn't waver nothing like that but then there's other times that I'm like oh shit what okay so <laughs> I'm gonna get really deep for a second um my biggest issue honestly like being a, being a wrestler it was more so in my own head for sure but having that complex in my head of oh my god if I'm like this this is too aggressive and too masculine and when I'm like tough it like creates like a complex in my head and then I feel like toughness isn't attractive or you know appealing when I do it because I just feel like I wasn't born a woman I think a lot of times like I would hold back with fear of not being seen as attractive and feminine like I am so for the longest time a lot of times like in a lot of matches I would definitely like you know wouldn't really like go full force the way I really could and I definitely didn't know mentally which way to really, really be. But I learned that I can be super strong and powerful and tough and jacked and muscular and still be sexy and feminine and all that stuff. And I think that that was like the biggest thing for sure. It's such an interesting juxtaposition because, I mean, I've definitely felt that way before. If I feel like, like even just like, you know, going to the gym and the way that I'm working out to the way that my body looks to different things like that, that it's so funny the way that 
our brains work and what we think of as being feminine and what we think of as being beautiful and what we think other people think of as being beautiful and feminine. It can be such a mind fuck. It's crazy rather than just like fully leaning into these like incredible qualities that you have, you feel that you want to downplay them. What the fuck is with that? Why are we like that? I would stop working out because I feel like I would be emasculating men. I would pretend I wasn't as strong as I was. All my life, I would definitely like try not to be seen in a masculine way. Being that I'm, I wasn't born a female, I, I wanted guys to be attracted to me still by just being me. So I felt like I had to be as womanly as possible or feminine as possible for them to, you know, find me somewhat attractive. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. Like, that's bad. How have you overcome this? Do you, or is this something you still are struggling with? With this whole storyline and development of my character, the beautiful badass, it's literally making that statement now of I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm sexy, and I'll still kick your ass. Now that I've kind of developed with the storyline with Joey and, you know, getting involved with all that blood, you know, and just being inspired by Deathmatch Wrestling and like um, all of these people that are like going super, super hard on TV and really, really making a name for themselves and just really just going all out and, you know, for lack of better term, making an ass of themselves by just not caring. I definitely use that as inspiration. I also just feel like too, with my career going forward, I don't want to be, you know, continuously in the back burner. Like, I want people to say, like, yo, Sunny, Sunny can go too. Sunny's not just like, you know, just some filler wrestler. Like, no, like Sunny can go. So that's what, definitely that's what I wanted to portray. And I wanted that to be real. And so I really, really, you know, dug deep for that. And I really, really felt in my heart and soul that it doesn't really matter how feminine I am and how strong I look. I can still be, you know, feminine and sexy. Of course. And like, I think it's really cool too. I mean, you talked about like, you know, when you started in like 2013 to where we are now and just everyone's minds are more open. Everybody is all these different body types in different shapes and whatever are so much more visible on television where I think everyone's idea of what beauty is, is morphing and is continuing to morph. And like, thank God for that because like trying to fit into all of these molds of like and and, I mean no shade at all but it's like when you look at like what the initial idea of like being a diva was to how we are looking at uh female wrestlers nowadays is like holy shit like it's so different and it's so nice to see yeah but even like interesting enough too like I when I look at other people I don't have these same thoughts for them like I do myself. I thought China was sexy. I, I think Nikki Bella is super sexy. I, I think Beth Phoenix is sexy. It's like they're all different kinds of body types. I am like Beth's like fan club member number one. I love Beth Phoenix. Beth is, oh my God, Beth is a goddess. All these different beautiful, strong body types and Molly Holly was so fit and gorgeous and Daz was stunning and Jacqueline and all these tough women. And I never thought once like, that doesn't look womanly or feminine. It's all in my own mind. I know and I get it because I mean, I think that so many people can relate to that. Is there anything worse than knowing that you are just getting in your own way by thinking about these things? And it's, it's not easy to just acknowledge that and shake it off. It's like, no, it's like it takes so long to like figure out accepting yourself, accepting your body, accepting these like gifts that you've been given And highlighting them rather than trying to like ignore them because it's not the normal thing. Like even just for like myself, when I look back at pictures from like when I first started in WWE, I mean, I was like 27, something like that. Now I'm like 36. So looking back at them, I'm like, oh my God, I look so like thin. But it's like all I would do is just do cardio. I would only do cardio. And I've always been super strong, but I would never lean into it. I would always just be like, no, I'll just do cardio. I'll just lift like five, 10 pound weights. It's like, bitch, you know you can lift more than that. You know you're stronger than that. Like use your body for what it's for. Like I have super strong legs and I've always been really 
like just aware of them. If someone will be like, oh my God, you, your legs look jacked. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I know, like shut up. Like I would hate it. But then it's like, what a dumb thing. Like why feel like that? It's it's so weird. The like stereotypes that have been ingrained in our brains from such a young age. Oof. It's a deep dive right there. Can I just say how like you're literally aging backwards? <laughs> You, you're literally aging <laughs> backwards. And like me, like I was a fan of yours for a long time. Thank you. Going back, like when you were doing Total Divas and you were doing like the after party stuff. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> after Total Divas. Oh, fuck. And you would always stir oh. the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so excited to see your beautiful face. I'm glad that I slept on a, like a strip lash for you because I was like, she's probably going to come in here looking like a fucking smoke show. And here we are. You're getting the full bush. I'm obsessed with your hair like this. Love it. I love it, love it, love it. Now it's thriving now that I don't have to burn it. How are you feeling right now? It's scary to say it, but I feel really good. Like happy. Why is that scary to say that? It's almost like Stockholm syndrome, right? Like. I was in this crazy, almost like slightly abusive relationship with a company, but also good. There's good parts to it, but like, but now it's done and I kind of get to be myself again, which I haven't been in a long time. And so I feel good, but it's also just this scary part where you're like, okay, so who is Lena now that she's not Nia Jax? It's such a weird thing because you and I have been talking about that a little while ago. We were just like texting about that, about that, like, It's really exciting to have that freedom, but it's also like, what do I do with this freedom? And yeah, who am I now? You become so used to who you are, not only character wise, but just like in that world. And it's so like consuming that once you're out of it, it's, it's really weird. You're like a little brand new baby deer of like, what am I doing? How do I exist? I have like the best brothers, family in general, but like I... I'll never forget, like, before I got the call, a year before that, I was kind of like, gosh, it doesn't feel the same to me anymore. Like, I'm not as, like, super excited about it. I'm not, like, as, like, like, I would get butterflies, like, before travel, just, like, excitement. And then he was like, maybe it's time for you to, like, start worrying about yourself. Like, maybe it's time for you to, like, think about Lena. And I was like, oh, that's, it was just a weird concept. I'm like, ah, because, you know, you're just in the, like, you're a cog in the wheel and you're just going and you're like, no, but I'm so dedicated. You have to be so loyal to this company. And then finally, when the call came, which caught me by surprise, um, he was like, this is good. Like, he was like, my calm. He's like, this is good. My brothers are the best. I can't even imagine life without them. Okay. So run me through like what that last year to like six months was like for you. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely had seen moments like that. I think for so many people, like, I'm sure you saw moments like that with me when I was there and I was like, Hey, I think I'm ready to not be doing this anymore. And at that time, I mean, for me, I kind of hit that wall where I was like, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore, but I didn't have my hand on another branch when I left which is, you know, a similar situation, I guess, to like getting a call that you've been releasing. You're like, your hand's not on another branch yet either. And it's such a, it's such an odd thing. But what was that like last year to six months like for you? And like, just in the company in general? I had left and had the surgeries, right? Like I had my double ACL surgery. And then I was sitting at home waiting to like, come back, but they're like, oh, we're not going to use you. But then COVID hit, it just kind of set the tone for the, the whole year. I was laying in bed and I got a call from TR because this is when we're filming at the PC. You're needed. You're filming your return in like two hours. I was like, wait, what? And I'm sitting there and like, I was texting Paul Heyman because at the time he was running stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Whatever, whatever. I came back. The energy was just different. You know, obviously we're trying to work through a pandemic. Everybody like is scared. Nobody seemed happy. It was just a weird, tense feeling. And I, you know, like we were there at the PC and just like trying to make the best of it. Something in the air, it just didn't feel the same. And there was a change in the guard in the company on the corporate side. And things just started shifting to where it didn't seem like, like what it used to be like. We used to kind of have like the family, like camaraderie, you know, like all get together and have a good time and, and something shifted. That's when, like, I think a lot of people, like, we're just starting, like, what the heck's, what's up? And then we had those, like, massive, like, cuts, like, cut after cut after cut. And they were, like, budget cuts and whatnot. And 
nothing was making sense. So like the whole last year was, it was just, I felt like I was in a constant, like a, like a dryer, like I was being tumbled in like different directions and I just couldn't get settled. I remember I, I walked into Johnny's office after just like a crazy couple of weeks, like in wrestling. And just, I was like, you know what? I, I need a break. Like something's off. I don't feel right. I need a break. And he, you know, he gave it to me. He was like, yeah, of course, go ahead and take the break. And when I was in the break, I shit you not, I did not miss it. I've talked to like a few other people, but like, even like when I, you know, I have like Misha Tate when I do my uh, UFC show with her and like, she took like four or five years off before she was like, Hey, I'm ready to like get back to it. Like, a couple of weeks is not the break that you need. Like you need like a break break. You need to step away and like real, it's hard. like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that just like, it takes up all of your energy. It takes up your thoughts. It takes up your physical energy, like all of those things that to just like have a long weekend, that shit ain't gonna cut it. It went by so fast. My break, I was like, oh shit, it's coming up. And I'll never forget, I just hit Johnny up and I was like, hey, I know that my break's coming up, but I just don't feel right right now. Like, is there any way we can kind of extend it to rumble? And then I was like, I know I'll be in a better place, whatever, whatever. And that was like on a Wednesday, I hit him up about that. And Thursday he called me. And of course I see his name. I'm like, oh, he's calling to talk about this. So cool. And then I pick up the phone and he was just like, hey kid, I hate to do this. And instantly when he said that, and I said, I was like, oh, am I getting released? And he said, yeah, he was like, I'm so sorry due to budget cuts, you know, the whole, the whole spiel. And I was just like, oh, okay, well I'll take a pay cut. I was like, if that's what's needed, just because I knew it was a whole like script. And he's like, oh, that's not it. And I was like, oh, so you just want like a total, like different change. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. We're just gonna put you on your 90 days. And I hung up the phone and I was relieved. It's so interesting to me that that is a general sentiment from everybody that I've talked to that has been through this. And I know that, you know, with that comes that feeling that, of course, everyone for the last, you know, year and a half, two years has been on eggshells of wondering, like, am I next? When you get that 203 phone number, is that what that call's going to be? And like, shit, that is no way to live. Like, that's so stressful. So to just be like, you know what, let's just get it over with and part ways. Like, I get where that relief comes from 100%. I stood my ground on certain things that I know that they weren't happy about. I was choosing not to go and get the vaccine. And it was a personal choice. And I remember sitting down with Vince because the whole entire two years I was there, I, we were tested every day. I never popped positive. I never had COVID the whole time. And I was just, and it was like, well, kid, you're not going to be able to fulfill some of your contractual duties. And I was like, well, if that's the case, then that's the case. Like it's, it's a business. I said, it's a business. And I understand you got to run your business, but that's when I was like, you know, I feel relief because I made the decision for myself and I stood by my grant. I stood by how I felt. Like I always go by my gut feeling. If it doesn't feel right in my stomach, I just can't force myself to do something I don't feel good with. That's just how I've lived my entire life. Would you have changed anything? Absolutely not. Like I was asked to be like a locker room leader and he was like, you know, you got to set an example. You got to do this. And I was just like, I'm not a stooge. I'm not going to go and, and stooge anybody out. Like you want to know somebody's personal business, go ahead and ask them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't play by that thing. It's like, well, people are going to listen to you and follow suit by you. I was like, if they do, that's on them. So I sit back and think like, <sighs> I got caught up in, in the blurred lines of Nia Jax, like even outside, it's not like they run credits and say Nia Jax is Lena Fanini. Like it's Nia Jax 24 seven shit gets blurred. I can't sit here and like, be something that they want me to be just to appease them. But at the end of the day, like, am I going to feel good about myself? You know, there's plenty of other stooges in the locker room. What would you say are the biggest differences between Nia Jax and Lena? The character is just this badass bitch that comes in and wrecks house and does whatever she wants and doesn't give two shits, right? About how people feel. And on the flip side, like Lena's a total basket case of emotions that like, is always worried about how people feel, like wants to take care of everybody. But don't get me wrong, like there is a side of me that will like cut a bitch. But for the most part, you know, I am, I'm more of like the sensitive, like, you know me, goofy, laughing. Oh, I know. I know. I'm letting the people know. I know all about (laughs) it. Let the people know. I know. (laughs) Or Nia Jax is this huge botch queen that injures everybody. Okay, let's talk about that. This all came... After the moment with Becky, correct? 
Yeah. Let's go back to that Becky moment. What happened during all of that? That was right right before Survivor Series? Yeah, it was right before Survivor Series where I think her and Rhonda were going to have a, a singles. So SmackDown was invading, right? Raw. The producer of that match, won't name names, basically was like, this needs to look real. Say sorry later. And we were all like, okay, cool. Like, let's go. Let's have fun. Whatever. And being the larger person, I feel as though people feel, oh, we can hit the shit out of her. She'll be fine. Which is true. Like, for the most part, like, I get wailed and whatever. I'm okay. I just remember right when they invaded, I feel as though everybody came after me, which is okay. But, like, I was getting nailed. The back of my head, I'm like, geez, Louise. Okay, I get it. And then finally, I find Trin. I fucking love Trin. I'm all Trin, sis. Let's just sit in this corner. <laughs> just talking shit in the corner, whatever. And then I continue to get punched in the back of the freaking head. And I was like, good Lord. So I just turn around and I really just like go to clear the person, whatever angles they show. My fist wasn't closed. I didn't punch her, but it did connect. I didn't even realize it was Becky. I honestly thought it was Lana. <laughs> If it was Lana, her face would have been like in the back of her. I mean, gosh, but I was like, I, so whatever did that. Didn't realize anything happened. Like, honestly, and then go back to Trin and then we keep going. Then I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's blood everywhere. And then I look and I'm like, oh crap, Becky's down, whatever. And then we go through the segment, everything happens. And I'm like, shit. I was like, was that me? Like literally like didn't even, I was like, oh crap get backstage. And, and she got taken up to medical immediately. And I'm like worried about her, like what's going on. And then I'm also freaking out because they're slow replaying it. Kevin sends the replay to Vince and gorilla and it's replaying slow and they're cutting to every freaking angle. And I was like, I'm so screwed. So I go to check on her. And of course, medical's like everybody out, everybody out, give her some space. Cause everybody want to make sure she was okay. I go to Vince and I was like, I'm so sorry. And he's like laughing. He's like, <laughs> and he was just like, well, it's not ballet. So then I walk away. I was like, leave it alone. Then I'm like texting Becky, making sure she's okay. Just bugging the shit out of her. And of course, Becky's like, oh, I'm fine, you know. And then um, at Survivor Series, or no, before that happened, I had like this little cut on my, my knuckle. And I don't know if it was from the hit, but I was texting Nikki and he was just like, dude, you're getting so much shit online, da, da, da. And I was like, well, should I go with it? Should I like, he was like, honestly, like. Nikki is the social media guy for WWE, by the way. He is the best. Yeah. Nikki tweets. Sorry. He's like, just run with it. And so I just like sent out a tweet, like, you know, some stupid, like, is anybody asking what my hand's doing? Like, and of course the internet went freaking ablaze and hated my guts and. That night, the Survivor Series, somebody else was supposed to go over, but it got back to Vince how much the internet was like hating me and how like the that he changed the finish. He was like, actually, we're going to have Nia go over because he wanted the heat. And then um, so when my music hit, the crowd was booing the shit out of me. Like it was insane. And Vince was like, all those baby faces should be thanking you. And I was like, why? And he was like, because. So he's like, you got a true legitimate heel here. You go out there and you point at that fist and you smile. And then from then on, I just played into the role of like, okay. When you're given a moment like that, though, I mean, you know, good, bad or whatever, you have to do something with it, right? And it's like in the world of wrestling, you don't turn away from moments like that. You have to lean into that and ride that wave out. What is it like being being you, Lena, and getting reactions like that, like how does that kind, how does that play into like real life of having fans react that way? And then also having your social media react that way. Like, I know there's definitely the part that's like, oh, it's kind of fun. I can play into it, whatever. But is there another side of that that creeps in? A thousand percent. Like in the beginning, you're like, oh, it's just character. But like I said, there's a blurred line. Like nobody says Nia Jax is Lena, right? They're not like saying this is character. And our fans are just, they're ruthless. They're great, but they can be ruthless. And so, and like my mom or like, you know, family members will read the comments and I'm like, stop reading oh, the comments. Shit. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, do not. And they don't. My mom will read it. She's like, this person said this. I'm like, mom, who cares? Like these people. I had to like block my mom a few times because I'm like, can, I need you to not engage with people on my social media because you are not helping the case. My best friend's mom, she'll like go on there and talk so much crap to whoever like wants to step up. I love her. But I'm like, 
it hurts a little, you know, it does like you can't, you can't sit here and act like it doesn't because they say some seriously mean stuff. And that's my work. If anybody who knows me in the locker room, like I know I was so much bigger than everybody. I know that I'm a lot stronger and that like, I've already acknowledged that my um, coach Sarah Motto had always said, like, you always have to be aware because you are so much bigger that like you throwing your arm and hitting somebody in the face is not going to be the same as like, you know, somebody smaller than you. I was always conscious of that. And I always try to take pride. Like I worked with Lexi most of my career, right? Like she's so tiny and she trusted me. And so like that hurt when people just like, when I, oh, she just injures everybody. She just hurts everybody. And I'm like, and I can tell you this right now in my career, I know I've injured two people. Obviously Becky was one of them. And there's another one that like, you know, I don't want to call her out, but like, I know I did. And I've profusely apologized and other things. I'm like, gosh, they made like a whole YouTube about certain things. I was like, Hey, guess what? We get in there and we're going 300 days a year and not all of my moves are going to look super clean and smooth and just come out like cherries, but I'm not injuring people. I'm not purposely going out to hurt people. That's what hurt me the most. Cause I was like, I consciously make an effort to make sure that I can make everybody look good and keep it safe and make sure we all get out like laughing and having a good time and safe. Anybody that's under contract with WWE is busting their ass, whichever way you want to look at it. Everyone's putting in work. And like you said, you're on the road all the time. There's always different shows. There's house shows. There's blah, 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 media, all the things. There's so much stuff happening all the time. But yeah, you definitely like you got bad end of it. But I also think another thing that that maybe coincided with that is your bloodline is people, people reacting to your family and whatnot. How much do you think that played into this as well? I feel like they kind of went hand in hand. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, she's not going to lose her job because she's related to rock and da, 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 and all this stuff. And I mean, you just got everybody under the sun ripping me to shreds about that. And, and it's funny because that's so far from the truth. Like it's so far from the truth. Like Vince didn't have an issue. He knew he's like, shit happens. Like we're going to make the best of it. And uh, whatever family members they thought supported me were opposite. Did not have my back. Trust me, did not have any support with me in this business for a long time. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, it does. It sucks because, you know, your family and, and, it is what it is, but I actually didn't mind it too much because I thought I was creating something of my own. I always pay homage to the family and like, gosh, we have such an insane lineage, like incredible lineage and the legacy will live on forever. And I'm sure any um, legacy, like character, any legacy person is going to come and be like, I want it like Charlotte, Tamina, Natty. We all want to like put our own footprint on it. And, uh, and that's something I was like, you know what, that's fine. If you don't want to have my back or support me or whatever, it's fine. Like I kind of want to do this on my own. I wanted to be just like everybody else. When I first got signed, I didn't tell anybody who I was related to. And somebody had heard that one of the cousins was there. And it was actually Becky who like found out. She's like, it's you, isn't it? And I was like, uh, and then when I got in the car accident with my aunt, uh, the rock's mom, that's when he kind of like, let it be known that it was me. How do you think, think your booking could have been better or different? Or were there things that you wish that you got to do that you didn't get to do? Because when I see somebody like Anaya Jax signed to WWE, I mean, it's like dollar signs in your eyes, right? It's like, there's, you're this beautiful woman. You're bigger than everybody else. You just have this presence about you. I feel like, you know, you could have just literally strapped the rocket onto your back and, and off you went. What would you have done differently? I think I became um, a company girl. Like that's what, that's what kind of bothered me back in the day. Like I kind of just was like, okay, they always have my back. Like I don't have to worry about it. They'll always take care of me sort of thing. And like certain things I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable with that, but I'll just do it because this is what he wants. This is what they want. And I think that's where I kind of got lost in the shuffle. Just kind of thinking that appeasing certain people would actually benefit me. When I did speak up, things did happen. And then I'm thinking like, okay, well, then I don't have to do it again because I had that problem of feeling like I am such a big person, larger than life. I didn't want the reputation of her being like, oh, she's loud, obnoxious, and she's hard to work with. That was like the the line I was teetering, right? Because you hear people who are like that and you can see it and you're just like, I don't want to be that person. It was that line that I played where most people are like, why are you getting booked like that? This is so dumb. And I'm thinking like, no, I'm doing the right thing. You know, like the Stockholm syndrome, like 
when you have people like in the production meetings that have your back, it, it goes a long way as well. And I think cer- certain people did have my back, but I think it was also me like speaking up and I, and I didn't, I let certain things go. Like there was a couple of times I did speak up, but it wasn't in my defense. It was to, to help others. But when they have their visions and, and I know that like, that was one thing I was definitely a reliable heel. For real. So two things, um, I mean, rumble just happened. Your moment when you got to do both rumbles, the men's and the women's, in that moment when you took like every dude's finisher was pretty fucking iconic. That like everybody's like, what was your best moment? That was probably my favorite moment. Like I will never forget we had rumble that day and we were also filming Total Divas and we were trying to put the female rumble, the women's rumble together. And I was already irritated with certain things there. And then um, I, we were finishing up our rehearsals because doors were about to open. And then we're walking back and Johnny's like, hey, kid, you're, you're going to be in the men's rebel too tonight. And I was like, what? It like floored me. But we had, he said, uh, the only thing I could rehearse was me beating up truth for camera angles. And that was it. And then I had to go be in the women's rumble. Remember all that, which thankfully, like it was towards the end. And then I had to run back and the guys were all in this room and it was Ray, it was Dolph, it was Andrade, it was Randy. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, guys. And of course, they're like, don't worry about it. They literally were like the best, made it so easy, walked through it. And I just kept saying, I kept telling Randy, I was like, man, I don't want to fuck up the RKO. I just don't want to fuck it up. I was like, I just never taken it. He was like, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, turn left and just ride with me. And then Ali, like Ali was just such a sweetheart. Such a great, great guy. And Friali, hashtag Friali. He's such a good person. And like, I've had so many great conversations with him backstage, like just genuine, like he's such a great human. So what he was just like, yes, this like, just toss me over. It'll be great. And I was like, I love you. Like, thank you so much. Like the craziest like opportunity, right. That never, I never thought I'd be able to have. What did you do? You took the RKO 619. Do you take a zigzag? Uh, No, I wish I would take a zigzag. He super kicked me. I got the 619 and I got the RKO. So right after that was um, right when John was leaving. And it was announced that <laughs> that John was leaving. So what happened in that situation from like your point of view of them having you go out? What happened? You went out and interrupted him in a promo or something or knocked him down. I can't really remember. My memory is the shits. It was so he had already, I think he had just said he wasn't going to resign. I remember getting the um, script and they were just like, yeah, you're going to come out. And, and I was like, so wait, am I going to start wrestling the guys? Like, and I'm like, what's going on here? And they're just like, yeah, you know, we think this is kind of cool. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I go to Dean and I was just like, dude, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, are you, how are you? And he was like, it's hard. You know him. He said, he's like, yeah, whatever. They're just trying to fucking get me. And I was like, I don't want to hit you. Like, I think that's so... I just don't think I should be able to hit somebody and they don't get to hit me back. I thought it was so weird. And I know John didn't feel comfortable. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hit you. It just felt like such an odd, it it just felt like that. um, Okay. Well, John's leaving. Let's start to bury him on the way out, which ultimately they did not. It went that way and it felt that way initially, but then, you know, they gave him a beautiful send off. He honestly couldn't have had really a better send off in terms of like, you know, the 5,000 shield reunions that they did. And like, they had their own pay-per-view that they did. Like that he did have a beautiful send off, but it did feel like at first it was like, uh Oh, how's your last couple months going to look? <laughs> they had like advertised us on a live event having a match. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? I was like, are we doing this? And I thought at first I was like, it's kind of cool to do the intergender matches. Like that would be actually super cool if we can go that route. And if anybody who's amazing and it has like an incredible resume, it's John. But I'm like, does he want to do this? Is this what, is this where we're going? And then I don't know what happened. Somebody said like the state that we were supposed to be working in didn't allow intergender matches or some crap like that. I don't know. And then it just went away. As much as you can go like, I don't know. I feel weird about this. There's also the other side of you that's like, I don't know. Let's try it. Let's try it and see what happens. And I don't know, maybe you know better than I do. And maybe it is going to be something that's really cool. Um, So you kind of want to, I don't know, trust the pros that have been in the business for forever. You want to, but then sometimes you realize they don't know what the fuck they're talking about or do. You're done. Your 90 days with WWE are done. Hence, we're here. The red light is on. We get to do this podcast. What do you want to do? It's so funny. Everybody's like, what's next? What's next? 
Well, thankfully during my year, when I realized it was not going to be lasting much longer for me personally, I invested in some land and um, got me a nice big old farm land. And, and I got some businesses going on there. Like uh, I'm going to start like a natural remedies, like hemp and like mushrooms. You're, you're like, starting a marijuana farm? No. <laughs> I mean, if that shit goes legal, trust me, I'll be the first one to pop that seed in. And there's other like businesses on the land that I'm going to um, be partnering up with like the city and, and allowing them to use parts of it and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I'm going with that with business wise and just like little projects here and there, you know, like I don't mind taking some things here and there. The one thing I do regret is like, I didn't get to like have an official goodbye and like really say bye to fans and just kind of like, you know, not knowing that like that last match was going to be my last match, which was great, you know, with Shane and breaking my arm or whatnot. So I, I don't mind taking a few like projects here and there for that, just to like give back to fans who like were really amazing to me. So wrestling's not done, done then. I never want to say never. Because I do love the feeling I get in the ring. I do enjoy, like, I loved wrestling. I didn't like the shit, the politics, all the other BS. But also, like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I already talked to you about it. Like, I'm trying to find my my man so I can start popping out babies. Listen, it's a great life. It's sleepless and it's hard, but it's awesome. I mean, I live vicariously through the Nora videos and pictures like she's just such a gorgeous little I mean you just created the the cutest little baby I love her oh my god what a special little oof. how could you not oof, love her thanks so much for hanging out with us guys uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week enjoyed the best of the sessions you guys can hear the full length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts just uh, download them give them a listen give them a like a review and if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.